Man, that's what I'm talking about. Joy. I see uh, some, uh, that's a hard, yeah, that's really hard act to follow after something like that. You <laughs> Go, tell it on them. So now just... Oh, good morning, everyone. Your kids are amazing. Just so you know, they are fantastic. And uh, I mean, yeah, teachers, thank you so much for all that you guys do. It's awesome, wonderful. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time at Impact Church, we want to welcome you. You belong here. And we're thrilled. And if one day, maybe you can, you know, act like one of these guys up here, we'll give you the, the platform to perform on. It's, uh, it's quite the thing. And this morning, we're going to talk about joy. And uh, so are you ready to get happy? Anybody not happy yet? Look at your neighbor for a second. Are they smiling? Everybody smiling? Everybody? Nobody's smiling. You can hit them. Permission granted. Hit away. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but for Christmas time, I enjoy laughing. I enjoy having a good time. And uh, one of our, you know, values things that we have here is that life is short, church should be fun. And uh, so really, I mean, if you can't have fun here, I don't know where else you can have fun. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about, of course, Jesus this morning. And again, if you've never heard of this Jesus or if you kind of heard about him, uh, this morning we trust that you're going to be introduced to the real Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. And really what he's all about, he is joy. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about who he is. So if you have a Bible or if you didn't bring a Bible, I've got some verses on the screen for you to follow along with us. But in Luke chapter 2, again, we want to launch it off here. And uh, over this past month, we've been talking about these great gifts that God gave us through giving us his son, Jesus. And we talked the first week about hope and that Jesus is the hope of the world. Not just hope for the rest of this, you know, this natural life. Yeah, there's hope in this natural life, but also hope for eternity. And I'm so grateful that those that we call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And so we have an eternal destination, and it's through this man, Jesus, that we love. And last week, we talked about peace. Keep your peace. Anybody had a great opportunity on keeping their peace? Anybody try their patience this past week? All right, four or five people. All right, that's what I'm talking about. The rest of you, you, this week is your week, all right? Uh, and this morning, we're going to continue talking about these great gifts, and we want to talk about joy. So in Luke chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me, and I'm reading from the New Living Bible. But in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, we're, again, we're going to just pick it off here, kind of where we just where all the kids were singing and, you know, dancing and doing their thing. I'm going to pick it up right around there, okay? So this is right after Jesus is born, and in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, saying this. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Everybody say, good news. Good. Now, what's good news? It's good, right? It's, it's not bad news. This is good news. And what is it? I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to who? To all people. Now, what is this good news? What is this great news that this angel is talking about? What's going to bring great joy to all people everywhere? What is it? Jesus. Christian answer, Jesus. Well, no, we're going to find out right here. Verse 11, he goes on to really specific, specifically tell us what this good news is. Are you ready? Well, you see it. The Savior. Everybody say the Savior. the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now I'm going to give it to you from a couple different versions here. In the Passion Bible it says, For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer. Say a rescuer. A rescuer, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. The, the Living Bible it says this, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight. And in the voice paraphrase, it says this, Today in the city of David, a liberator, say it, a liberator. liberator. A liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme in authority. So what is the good news that this angel is talking about? The good news is a rescuer, a savior, a liberator has come for you to free mankind from sin and from darkness. That's the good news. I'm so glad that we're all in the good news moment. All right. The rescuer came. The deliverer came. The savior came. And this whole world, everybody needs one of those. And he came. So the moment that you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now all of a sudden what happens, God has saved you. He gave you Jesus to rescue you. 
And what is this good news? What is this gospel that we proclaim? John 3.16, and I'm sure you've heard that over and over, but it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is not religion. Everybody say this, not religion. This has nothing to do with religion. This has everything to do with a living relationship that you have with Jesus. So the moment that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, simply by just saying, Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus died for me, Jesus rose again for me, come into my heart. And the moment that you did that, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, what the Bible tells us, belongs to you. Can I show you what these verses say? It says it right here. For he has rescued us. Say, he has rescued me. So again, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. At that moment, He rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and He transferred you into the kingdom of His dear Son. Verse 14, I love this. He says, He actually has purchased our freedom and He forgave our sin. Completely free. Everybody say, freedom! freedom. Now say it like Braveheart. Freedom! freedom! That's what everybody is looking for. And there's only one way to get it and it's through this one man named Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Man, He is amazing and He is wonderful. So when I, before we go on with this, I actually want to tell you, you know, the way that God rescued you, He actually rescued you with joy. Did you know it was joyful for Him to do it? He didn't go down, oh, I guess i got to save those people down there. Bunch of losers, i got to go fix their problem and fix their messes again. I guess I'll go, you know, I'll go, go through the pain for them. No, it says with great joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that for the joy that was before Him, He endured the cross. I mean, in the Passion Bible, it says it this way. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, exalted. So what was it? You were born, you were caught, brought into this family with joy. Jesus came for you joyfully. Think about that for a moment. Yes, he came as a baby, but this whole time that he was here, he knew that he was going to get you back. He was excited about it. And so I want to just show you a few scriptures about this. But joy really is how the kingdom operates. It's really what heaven's all about. If you kind of think heaven's kind of a lame place where all the old people go and you just hang out playing a harp and different things like that, that's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place filled with joy. That's what it's all about. And I want to prove it to you. Luke chapter 15. Let's turn there real quick. For those of you who have no idea where Luke is, just go in the middle and just look for Luke. That's the best I can help you there. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. Tax collectors... And other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, I know this is, who was, it, who was attracted to this man? Go back to verse 1 for a second, if you could, please. Notice what it says. Who are these people? Tax collectors and what? No, no, not just sinners. <laughs> Come on now. Notorious. Some of you all have been notorious before. <laughs> what does notorious mean? Really good at it. Right? Basically, you're really good at it. You know what's up. You know how to do it. These notorious sinners, but what did they do? They often came to this man, Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you've, this is your first time even coming in a church building, maybe you've been turned off by what happened in different places, or if you heard different things, let me encourage you this. We don't want you to get your eyes on us. We want you to see Jesus for who He is. We fell in love with Jesus, and then we became part of a family. That's why we love the church, but we love Him first. It's Jesus first, Right? Because, listen, these guys, they came to listen to this man teach. Okay, ready? So verse 2. Now notice this. This is where you have some problems. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain. Anybody ever hang around any complainers? Well, you know what? Spirit's operating in them, all right? Okay. They complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now notice this. Verse 3. <laughs> so... Because of this, this attitude, because he noticed how these Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, how they were thinking and how they got upset about this. So Jesus told them this story. Ready? Here it is. Verse 4. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go and search for the one lost that is lost until he finds it? I'm going to just read it to you from my Bible. And when he joyfully, and when he has found it, he will what? Joyfully. Come on, what? He will do what? Joyfully. So he's lost the sheep. He's counting the other ones. Okay, he's got 99. One's missing. He doesn't go, ah, 99 still, you know, that's a really good percentage. I mean, if I got that on a math test, Lord, I would be happy. I would be high-fiving my teacher. That's it. But that ain't good enough for Jesus. 
99, that's good. But he going, man, there's one missing. So he goes out and finds it. And notice what happens. Until he finds it, when he has found it, he joyfully carried it home on his shoulders. Everybody say joyfully. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. 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 Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, verse 7 goes on to say, there is more what? Joy, Joy where? In heaven. In heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, I, I don't have this on the screen, but if you guys can find that, I'm going to go down to verse 11, because it says here, to illustrate the point further, Jesus, I think, really wants to get something across to you and I. He got a, He's wanting to really nail it in there. Jesus came to save those who are lost. That was his heart. That was his intention. So again, us as believers, as Christians, our job and focus ought to be the same. We're not here to take care of us because we were reached. We're here to reach and save those who do not know. So Jesus, in verse 11, to illustrate this point even further, Jesus told them this story. A man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Isn't that a wonderful statement to say to your dad? So what's he basically saying? It's taking too long for you to die, so I'll just take my inheritance now. Basically. Is that, yeah, okay. So his father agreed to divide with the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He saw him coming, and notice this, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is his I'm sorry speech. Now, in some translation, I think it's the Amplified brings it out, hearing it but yet ignoring it. The father said, said to the servants, he didn't even say anything about that. Notice, the father didn't go, yeah, you did some stupid things. Punk, what's wrong with you? Man, do something better. No, the father didn't even pay attention to that statement. Notice the father's words, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, what? Quick. We say quick. Quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. I love this next part. And kill the calf we have been fattening. What's he doing? We're having a barbecue. We, what, notice what he's saying. Again, this is the father. Now, notice, what does he say? We must celebrate with what? A feast. Oh, what's the next verse? Is that where we're at? Keep going. For this son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So notice the next words. So the party began. Now, I'll, for those of you that might be not familiar with a lot of these things, I want to just point out a few things that who our father is. <laughs> the father is the biggest partier. Who started this whole thing? He saw the son that messed up way back there. He saw him coming. He was waiting for his son to come home. Saw him, filled with compassion and love, ran to him. There he is. You sang so good, by the way. Ran to him, kissed him, hugged him. This is my cousin, so I can do this. <laughs> just, in, just in case you're wondering, what kind of church is this? We're cousins. We're, we, we're, we have this relationship. We hugged him, kissed him, grabbed him, threw him over his shoulders. I'm not going to do that for this. But, but grabbed him, bring him back and said, we are going to have a party. Let, and so what happened? The party began. And I want to just remind you, you and I never forget the party that you've been invited to. 
You are born again. You've been brought into this kingdom. Don't let the party stop. You don't see anywhere in here that the party just ends. Oh, we become familiar. And all of a sudden the father looks at Mac or I'm looking at Mac going, now Mac's been here for a little while. It's nice to see you, Mac. Great to have you. No, don't forget the party that you've been invited to. This is what the kingdom culture is all the way around. This is what it's about. Right? So don't be a party pooper. <laughs> see a few elbows already going off. All right, okay. Somebody say, don't be a party pooper. Look at your neighbor, say, don't be a party pooper. This salvation, when the father came and ran to his son, now just think about it for a moment. Do you think the son ever forgot that moment? Think about it for a moment. Do you think he ever forgot what the father did to him on that moment when he was on that road? I mean, all of a sudden, he's thinking that on that road that I'm going to be going on to, man, I don't know if I'm going to meet anger. I don't know if I'm going to meet judgment. I'm going to know if I'm going to meet, you know, frustration or just this resentment between a relationship. The father broke down all those walls by simply embracing him, hugging him, kissing him, and said, get the best up, throw it on him, and get the biggest calf you can find. We're having a barbecue. What did he do? He threw a party for this man. He got excited about it. So I don't want you to forget, this is where you came into. When you, how many of you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That happened for you. Don't let this party scene end. It's not supposed to. Because you look on in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible clearly tells us what the kingdom of God is all like. It says this. I don't know if you got that on the verse. Put it on there real quick for me. Romans 14, 17, it says, For we don't live... Nope, 17. That's 7. That's a good verse too, though. For the kingdom of God is not in matter of what you eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom culture. I remember hearing this said that the serious business of heaven is joy. So let me encourage you. If you want to be involved with the Father, if you want to be close to where God is and what He's like, you got to learn to be joyful. Because you can actually see, if you read Lon in Luke chapter 15, where we just were, talking about the older brother, he refused to go in the house. He said, why? Because he was angry about all of a sudden the father took him back in. Listen, party poopers have to stay outside. <laughs> Anybody ever seen one of those or have one of those at a party? All of a sudden, oh, they're here? Shoot. I guess just let's wrap it up, right? You don't want to be that guy, right? So let me encourage you, in the kingdom of God, joy is where it's at. This is who we are. I mean, and just think about it. Who do you like to spend time with? Who do you like to hang around with? I mean, you could think about it. You could think about it for a moment. Some people are just yelling me a lot. And I'm, okay, I get that. <laughs> Actually, I'm still waiting for somebody to say it. But anyways, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But why do you want to hang around that individual? Maybe there's a few different qualities that they have, but I've got a few friends of my own. Why do I enjoy hanging around them? Because they are joyful people. I don't want to hang around, you know, wimps, whiners complainers. I want to hang around people who are happy, joyful. And plus, this world's got plenty of complainers out there. Don't be one of them. There's so much party pooping out there. It's crazy. But for you and I in the church, we are going to be happy. Everybody say, be happy, be happy. or get out. Get out. All right. That's, that's the new standard we're setting here. I mean, we have that. That's even a rule in our family. If you know, to, With our kids, what are the three things that in order to be around us? Happy, Kind, good listening. If you are not going to do those things, you have chosen to leave my presence. Why? Because me and your mother are having a dance party right now. You think we, we dance a lot in our house. So all of a sudden, if all of a sudden, why, why did it happen? Why did Max hit me? And why did all this take place? Oh, you've just chosen to not be happy. Bye-bye. <laughs> but you can come back when you've made the decision. You've, it's, it's crazy. They'll, they'll leave angry. Bye-bye. That's so mean. And then he'll go away for a few minutes, and he'll come right back. Okay, I'm ready to be happy. And he'll just come right back into our dance party. It changes everything. It changes your mood. So again, because what are we trying to do? It's not just we want happy people around us. This is what the kingdom culture is like. It's joyful. Right? Even the church, it should be joyful. Because think about it. For those that are outside the church and they're looking in, if they see kind of a grunting, complaining, whiny church, or they want to join that? No! They want to join a party! A real party with real joy. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Next, because one of the reasons even approaching God in Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2, I'll just read this to you. Verse 1, it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. 
This is the standard that we approach our God. Should I read it to you one more time? Okay, let's just be a doer of it for a moment. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. See, that's the expectation, right? When God sees you, man, you can go, woo! Say, shout for joy, all the earth. And then he goes on to say, or you got your, dig at your singing? Okay, worship the Lord with gladness. No, 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 no. You, you don't, no, no, I didn't say shout. Worship the Lord with gladness. What could that mean? You can say words. Go ahead, what does it sound like? Yay! <laughs> I'm singing, and I'm here, <laughs> and I'm singing! Alright, and then he says, come before him, what? Singing with whitiness. No, joy! Everybody say joy! Joy! joy. You can do it! Say, I can do it! No, I don't feel comfortable singing. No, singing's just like talking, it's just moving your voice up and down. It's an elf, it's an elf quote. But that's what the thing whole is. Come before him with singing with joy. This is how we approach our God. Can you see that? I really want you to see how the heaven, how heaven operates. This is who he is. This is what it's all like. Okay? So, <laughs> let me just read this to you. Natural joy, as we talked last week about peace, natural peace and natural joy, they both depend and are limited to the natural. Right? Again, joy on the, on the outside. It depends on your feelings and it depends on external evidence. It depends if the joke is funny or not. <laughs> Lord, my, my jokes are bad. I'm just begging for a laugh once in a while. But, you know, if you think about it, if you got the, the joy of the God on the inside of you, and here we go, we'll talk about this. Galatians 5.22, it says that the fruit of your spirit, talking now that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been reborn, and a fruit that you have on the inside of you is joy. So where is the joy of the Lord? Where is the joy of God? It's right here. It's on the inside of me. So it's no longer me trying to feel joy coming from somewhere. I actually can stir it up on the inside of me and experience joy in a traffic jam. Although Red Deer has no idea what a traffic jam is. <laughs> Although I've been on gates at 5 o'clock, and tell me, that is crazy. <laughs> but you think about it, you can experience joy anywhere. You're waiting at a restaurant, and it's a 40-minute wait. No big deal. Everybody say that, no big deal. No Why? Because the joy of the Lord is on the inside of you. Now you're going to have to activate it. Right? You're, you're just waiting for a thing. Okay, God, give me joy. Give me joy. That's not how this works. He gave it to you. It's there. If you've accepted Jesus, say it's right here. Come on, hit that ab. <laughs> whatever you got just hit it's on the inside of me now it's no longer me trying to get it to me it's about now me releasing it from the inside of me can you see that man aren't you glad you're not limited to external joy I don't have to wait for Colton to give me a good joke in order to you know have some joy in my life I can actually activate it at any time any place anywhere are you ready okay now, the source of joy, I want to give you, there's four things that, there's lots more, but these are just the four that really stick out to my heart. The source of your joy is, number one, is you belong in the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that. You belong. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22 in the Message Bible, I want to read this part to you. Whoa, can you read that? Okay. So right after the question mark, you see, so you're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. What are the next three words? Oh. Yeah, we took that from this verse and put it on the wall. You belong here. Man, it's the, this is the very source of your, of your joy is knowing this, that I belong in the kingdom of God. I'm not an outsider. I'm not somebody that's looking in. I am on the inside of this. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Say me. me. He's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. So God is using you to now build his house. Man, you belong here. Say, I belong here. I belong. Now, yeah, the church, but just the kingdom of God. I belong in the kingdom of God. 
Just as much as the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, he can call himself a Christian, I have the same right because it's not based on my works. It's based on me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you've accepted Jesus, guess what? You belong there. So this is the source of my joy. If you can't get happy that you're part of the kingdom of God, I don't know what else to do for you. That's it. You are part of the kingdom of God. You are not going to hell. Oh, yeah. That is good news. So in the morning when you wake up and you're like, ah, I don't know what to be thankful for. Start here. I belong in the kingdom of God. Okay, number two. The source of my joy is in knowing this, that I've been chosen to come into relationship with Holy Spirit. No longer am I just part of this thing, but now I've been invited into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says this. I don't know if you guys got that. It says the amazing grace of our Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the what? Intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Man, you wake up, you're never alone. No matter where you go, no matter how you feel, you are never alone because the Holy Spirit now is living on the inside of you and He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be your strengthener. He wants to be the one that shows you things to come. He's the one that wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. You are not alone. Man, that's good news. That should get you happy. Right? Not only do I belong in the kingdom of God, now I got a partner in this thing. I mean, a lot of times people are looking for coaches and mentors. And that's great. It's great to have some of those people in your life. Absolutely. But don't ever let it take the place. The Holy Spirit is your number one mentor. He wants to be your coach. He wants to be your spiritual daddy. Everything about life, He wants to teach it to you. Man, that's good news. How do I be a dad? How do I be a husband? How do I be do whatever my job is? How do I do be a son? How do I be a brother? How do I do all these things in life? The Holy Spirit is called the teacher. Now, he's going to show me and teach me how to do all these things. I'm not alone. Aren't you glad for that? All right. Thirdly, the source of your joy. I know. I'm, I feel it on the inside. You're getting your prime pumped. It's, all right. We're going to get happy. The source of your joy, number three, is this. Now, these are a few things that you're going to have to do. And this one here is you're going to have to let the word of God live in you. This is the source of my joy. And I'm going to give you two, two scriptures. Colossians 3.16. It says this, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. This is the message Bible. Then he goes on to say, give it plenty of room in your lives. So let's say this together. Let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Let it have plenty of room in my life. I have to let the word of God have room in my life. Means so that whatever, Lord, if, if I need correction, if I need, you know, have to change a few things, I'm letting the word come in so that it can run my life. You have to let that. Right? And I want it, the reason why we do this, and I want you to turn to John 15, verse 11. Jesus said this just before he went to the cross. He says, I have told you these things, his word, his sayings. I have told you these things that your joy, or that you will be filled with, whose joy? My joy, Jesus is talking. I want you to be filled with my joy and so that your joy will what? Overflow. Anybody laugh so hard till you pee your pants? Man, he wants the joy to come alive on the inside of you. And it doesn't just mean seen in laughing. It's how you carry yourself about. Right? It's not this, you know, kicking rocks and looking down all the time. Man, I got expectation. I got hope. I got peace. And now I'm filled with joy because He gave me His joy. Now, I want you to notice that, but it's His joy that He wants you filled with. His joy. Now, the Lord said this to me, and so I'm just telling you what He told me. Jesus wants you to have His joy and to remain in you. Any Christian that does not have joy is a Christian that does, does not spend time with Him. Okay. If you don't have joy, it's because I chose to put Jesus and his word aside and have chosen to listen to the one who brings grief and sorrow. You are either joyful or you are not. You can't be a blend and a mixture in this. So how do I let the, the joy of the Lord in me stronger? What is it? I have to let the word stay in me. Jesus gave me his word so that I would be filled with joy. Can you see that? So if I'm getting away from the word... If I'm putting this word away from me, guess what my joy level is going to start to look like? Can you see that? 
and you wonder, why am why I just feel so depressed and I feel all this. Get back to the word and start getting your joy level back up. So what, what's the source for this? Can you see this will game change a lot of people's lives? Yeah. I'm so depressed. And you know what we just do? Nothing wrong with it, but we just throw a pill at it. Here. This will get you happy. Well, here, try this drug. Try this marijuana. Try this alcohol. Try over this. Try getting another wife. Try getting another husband. Try having another kid. All of those are not going to fulfill and get the joy back up. What is the joy? What is the source for the joy? It's the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the joy for me. That's all I'm going to go. Come on. <laughs> but it's the Word. Make sense? And lastly, number four is obedience. The joy of the Lord. If you're thinking, oh, man, I, yeah, I'm letting the word dwell in me. I, I'm spending time with Jesus constantly and I'm, I'm with him. I'm in his word. I'm doing that. That's great. The next big thing is, are you obeying what he's showing to you? You have to walk in the light that you have. But it's vital that you and I, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? Because what happens when you start to like, I hear the word, but I'm not actually doing what I've heard. Oh, man, that's where frustration kicks in, right? Because it actually says, the Bible tells us, Jesus said, if you hear my words and do it, you'll be blessed. But if you just hear my words and don't do it, I can't bless you. I can't get access to you because it's the doers of the word that get blessed, right? You can even see that in natural life. You can hear all these great things take place, but until you do something with what you know, nothing is going to happen. So whatever Jesus has told you, do it. Everybody say, do it. Just do it. All right, I'll give you this, Psalm 51, verse 12. It says, let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. In Isaiah 119, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. Anybody want to eat the best? Right? And I'm not just talking food. He's talking, you want to see everything in your life be the best. You know, that's God's will for you is the best. How do I see the best in my life? If I'm willing, notice there's two parts. I have to be willing. Secondly is what? Obedience. So if I am willing and I'm obedient, what happens? I will eat the best of the land. It's a promise. It's a guaranteed fact. Can you see that? So what are the four reasons for source for your joy? Number one is, no, these two, there's two things that you need to know and two things that I'm going to do. The two things that I need to know are what? Number one is, I belong in the kingdom of God. Number two is, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number three, let the word run my life. Stick with the word. If I'm getting away from the word, notice you start to get cranky. Right? But when I get back to the word, time with Jesus changes everything. Anybody ever know that on a personal level? Man, there's been times when, you know, just things you get so busy and so caught up. And lots, lots is going on in life. So you actually have to put the word in. You have to on purpose say, I am going to spend time with Jesus today. You know, for myself, I've been cultivating this attitude, a daily Sabbath with the Lord. What is that? I take about 45 minutes a day to spend time with just me and Jesus. I'm not studying anything. I'm letting him lead me in what he wants to talk about. Sometimes he wants to talk about 2019. Sometimes he wants to talk me as a husband. Sometimes he wants to talk about just me and my relationship with him. Sometimes he wants to correct me. Whatever it is, I just take that time and I am just with him. Because the times that I don't, I start to get edgy. Yes, I have flesh too. <laughs> Right? Anybody notice that? You st oh, man, you get irritable. You get irritable. Right? People start smucking their food again. And all of a sudden you notice that people, when they open their mouth, when they chew, just drives you bonkers. And you go, what is wrong with you? Were you growing up in a barn? And all these things come across your mind. I'm just, I'm reading your mail. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And then lastly, number four, is I'm going to obey what the Lord told me or what He reveals to me. Whatever he shows me in his word, I'm going to do it. Right? Okay. So releasing your joy. This is the last thing I want to make mention, and then I'm going to call my wife up here for a moment. But releasing joy, we have to now, one of the best ways that we do it is we actually have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. So I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 for a moment. And this is a, a wonderful story about, about David. And uh, for those that don't know, David was a king of Israel. And at this time, he was, he was the man. Like... 
defeating armies. He's the one that killed Goliath. And now we see a few years later on in his, in his life, uh, he's got a couple of wives and uh, a whole bunch of men that are serving underneath him. So he's at war and he comes back from war. And you're going to see this. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Zigleg, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Zigleg, and they crushed Zigleg and burned it to the ground. So their town, their city that he was ruler of, is now burnt to the ground. It's crushed. Verse 2. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but, uh, with everyone else but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins... And realized what had happened to their families. Notice this. They wept until they could weep no more. How much crying is that? When you can't, when you all of a sudden, like you crying in tears, there's nothing there anymore. That's a lot of crying. Now notice the next verse. David's two wives, Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Click. David was now in great danger. Why? Because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. So not only is your family gone, all your ruins, all your possessions are gone, now the men that you've served, that you've trained, that you've led for so many years, have now turned on you because they got bitter at you. The leader's always the problem. <laughs> and was it his problem? No. But who's the easiest guy to blame? The leader, Right? But David, what did he do? He went, some translations say he encouraged himself in the Lord. This says to, I found strength in the Lord his God. So what did he do? Verse 7, it says this, that then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it to him. What did David do in that time, encouraging himself in the Lord? And in Philemon verse 6, I'm going to give you a little idea of what he did. Philemon verse 1, or chapter 1 verse 6, it says, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you... No, can you guys do the New King James? Please. I'm going to read it to you, Philemon 1.6. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. What did David do? He acknowledged every good thing which was in him, which was in Christ Jesus. You're going to have to stir your own pot sometimes. When things go down, when things don't look very good, when life kind of kicks your butt, so to say, what do you do? You have two options. You can complain. You could cry until there's nothing left. And notice that during that time, did God come down? Oh, David, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry. We'll get it all back. God couldn't get anything to him because David was in a wrong place to hear. So what did he have to do? He had to strengthen and encourage himself in the Lord. And if you read on in 1 Samuel 30, you find out after that when David encouraged himself, he said, Lord, what do I do about this? God said to him, go and you'll get back everything. So off David went and he killed all those Amalekites and he got all the spoil back plus some. Woo! All of that from what? Encouraging himself in the Lord. Now it's great to have other people encourage you. You need encouragers in your life. That's vital. But if you are not your best cheerleader, your life is going to stink. You have got to stir yourself up. You're going to have to say, no, no, no. This may be happening, but my God is for me. And since he's for me, who can be against me? Man, greater is he that is living in me than he that is in the world. And you start acknowledging every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Man, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Man, you start acknowledging all these different kinds of things. What's happening? You are building yourself up. You're building yourself up. You're getting edified, getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And what happens? You are now in a position to hear from the Lord. Why? Because God is on the channel joy. And if you're on channel depression, God's not there. But if you turn it to joy, guess what? He's there and he's talking and he's singing and he's giving direction and he's bringing clarity. But as long as we are in mopey state, oh, what's happening, God? Why? God, could you just fix this? And we just throw it on God, hopefully that he'll change my situation. But God does not work that way. People think he's some sovereign being out there just pulling levers and throwing things at people once in a while. He's not like that. There is laws in the natural realm. There is laws in the spiritual realm. You want access to God? It is through the channel of joy. Can you hear me? Yes, he'll come and sympathize with you. Yes, he'll come put wrap his arm around you. He's a comforter. But he will never leave you where you're at. He will bring you up and he'll say, let's go. 
That's who He is. That's what He's like. And He loves you too much to keep you where you're at. Because there is a destination for you. There's people's lives at stake. And we've got to get on this channel of joy because people are attracted to joy. They want it. They want to see it. They want to have it. Because you know this, I remember hearing this one time. But if you don't rejoice, the devil will think that he's winning. As long as you keep whining him open, the devil thinks, oh, I'm winning. This is great. Listen, as a Christian, as a believer, have you already won? What if all hell breaks, Luke, and it looks horrible out here? Have you already won? Yes! Let me prove that to you. 1 John chapter 5. I'm going a little bit off my notes here, but I'm, we're going to go with it. 1 John 5. And it's Christmas, so I can do whatever I want. 1 John chapter 5. Are you there, verse 1? All right, it says, everyone, say everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Click. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Click. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Click. Verse 4. For every child of God does what? Does what? Defeats this evil world. And how do we achieve this victory? Through our faith. Faith is a tool. How are you going to defeat all of the things that look out here when all the enemy tries to bring stuff against you? What is the tool that you use? Faith. And what is faith? Faith is taking what Jesus said and standing on it, believing it, confessing it, doing it regardless of what it looks like out here. I already win. How do I ensure my victory and see it out here? By holding fast to what I believe. That's it. But notice this. Think about this for a moment. Every child of God. Man, the devil loves to hear that. Every child of God. Are you a child of God? Well, I don't know. Well, how do you know you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The moment you've accepted Jesus, verse 1 we read, you become a child of God. You're His. And he says that that moment, every child of God defeats this evil world. Every one of them. Every one of them. And now how do I ensure that happens? By using my faith. Verse 5. Just in case you didn't get it. And he says this, just to ask you the question. And who can win this battle against the world? Who is it? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you kidding me? What is your job? Believing. Believing. What do you and I have to do when all this looks horrible? Believe what the gospel said. Believe what he told me. Hang on to it. Hold on to it. And don't let any devil tell you otherwise because he's a liar. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a lie. Every time he squeaks something into your ear and you go, man, don't entertain that thought. Don't even give it a second because what he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. That is all he can do. That's his will for your life. I mean, I know you're a great person, but there is a devil out here and he hates you. He wants your life. He wants your family. He wants your marriage. He wants your money. He wants your health. He wants everything about you to go south. He hates you with a passion because you have what he wanted, and that is child of God's state. We are what he will never be, and so he hates you for that. So what do I do? I actually can laugh at him. Turn that up. That's another great thing. When I know that he's already lost, it's a great thing. When the Bible says in Job, at the, 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 the look at famine and destruction, I will laugh. From knowing something. What do I know? I win. Right? Sweetie, come up for a quick sec. Stay here. I'll stay here. I'll be quick. Um, Joel has asked me to share this a little bit this year. We thought it was for peace, but then last week we realized it's for the joy week. Because around this season, you know, if you've been having a hard time, this is kind of the season where you start to feel it, right? In Christmas there can be people that are dealing with pain and dealing with loss. And, and when we are talking about a lot of what Pastor Joel said today, he's not implying that we are robots, that we don't have feelings, because right. we do have, have a soul and we do have feelings and emotions and, and things that happen on this earth. They do touch us and affect us. But um, I say this because it's, it's not my story, it's God's story. But, you know, there, there are a lot of people who have experienced someone going home to be with the Lord early. Um, and I feel like I've heard a, a lot of stories, even recently, meeting some of you in the church who have shared some stories of loss. And um, this week marked 10 years that my dad went home to be with the Lord. 
And Joel asked me to share it not so that I could, um, you know, express, yeah, it's, it's sad. It, it hurts. There is, there is a, a hurt when you lose someone or lose, a, lose something. Um, but we can do everything that, we're t- that Pastor Joel's talking about here. I think I'm talking to a certain group of people here this morning. I'm talking to those who, who heard what he preached and heard the word and thought, yeah, but... You know, and you were maybe the one that was looking to your natural circumstance, which is hard. We're acknowledging losing my dad three months after we got married, before I ever got to know him as, a, as an adult, it was hard. And right now, having children and knowing, hey, they don't get to know him on this earth, it's hard. But this joy that we're talking about, it is despite circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just wrote down, Jamie... From, from what Pastor Joel is reading in First, First John. Take your joy by faith. If there's someone who's here today who's thinking, all of this joy stuff you're reading about, I want it, I wish I was experiencing it, you can take that joy today by faith. Yep. And I'm going to read a scripture to you to show you how. Because you cannot have a here and now mindset and get through some of those losses that you might experience in life. If I just dwell on the here and now, then I'm going to spend my Christmas season thinking about all the things I don't have with my dad. But do you know what I do? God in me has helped teach me. The Holy Spirit has shown me how to cultivate this eternal mindset. Right? So I can tell you even, you know what? This brings me joy even to say this. My dad passed away on a Saturday afternoon. We got the call the next morning, Joel was preaching here. Pastor John was, was headed out of town. We stood in this front row, and we raised our hands. Pastor Lori was leading worship. And we sung, mm-hmm. and we praised him because we were looking, looking ahead, right? Our mindset wasn't just on the here and now. It was on the eternal. So I just want to read you a scripture really quick, because if you're dealing with any sort of loss in this season, you, by faith, have to cultivate this eternal mindset. Now looking at, I'm going to read you two actually. Colossians 3 verse 2 in the New King James, it says, Set your mind, set your thoughts, and keep them set on the things that are above, not on this earth. It doesn't mean that you walk around and say, I don't hurt, there's no pain, I'm not sad, because that's dangerous to do as well. But what you do is you, you move forward through that pain by saying, you know what? It might hurt to lose someone, but... I set my mind and I keep it set on things that are above, on God's truth, on these promises. And let me read to you. This is the verse I wanted to get to. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. It says, Well, we we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen, they're just temporary, meaning they will change. What you see or are experiencing right now, if it is a difficult situation, you won't stay there, right? right? It is temporary. Say that with me. It It is is temporary. temporary. So what do we do? We look at the things that are not seen because they're eternal. If you've got someone who's gone home to be with the Lord, they wouldn't even want to come back. Isn't that right, Pastor Marlene? They are up there having so much fun, experiencing so much joy, and they're like, yeah, we're going to see each other soon, but I'm doing awesome here, you do awesome there, and we're going to be together again. Focus yeah. on those eternal things. You're going to have to take it by faith. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. That's, that's, good. that's good. Okay. That's really good. And I just, just to say like, one thing to you about Jamie, like I just, yeah, that was really tough for us going through. But I think one of the things that I've learned so much about even just tapping into the grace and the joy of God is watching her. I mean, I saw this, this girl lift her hands with tears. I saw her dance when she didn't feel like it. I saw her just worship God, laugh at the devil when she was, you know, just sobbing through all the, the hurt that's with it. Yet on top of it all, she's the overcomer in this. And I think that's wonderful. And at the same time, and we have a huge thing that we can share with our boys. I mean, we're, we're talking about Jamie's dad and all the cool things. And one day we're going to see him. And it's going to be amazing when he sees those kids of ours, man, they're going to just tackle them. And I'm excited to see that again, right? So I want to just encourage you again, but joy, let's, we got to activate it. Let's release it. And the last verse that I want to share with you, and then we're going to, I want to show you a quick video. And then we're going to actually encourage ourselves in the Lord. Cool. Okay. 
But Proverbs 17.22, and you know what, this is joy is even for your own health. Right? You need it. It's not, it's not just for the sake of, oh, this is, you know, this is what Christians do. Yeah, but it's also for your own health. <laughs> Anybody interested in their own health? We need you here long. Right? Dying early is not an option with you. We need you here. And so part of the longevity is you have to learn how to laugh at things. Like, don't be too serious. Life is short. Church should be fun. Life is short. I just, I did that for my own home. Life is short. I'm going to make my, ho my home fun. Right? Just laugh at ourselves. When our kids do things that are <laughs> crazier out of this world, just learn to laugh at some of those things. Right? Like this past week, I got up a few times during the night because a water bottle dropped. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning is not so funny, but you know, after a little while, you could just go, let's just laugh it off because one day they're not going to need water at three o'clock in the morning. Okay. But the Passion Bible in Proverbs 17, 22, it says, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. So what do we want to do is we've got to cultivate this lifestyle of joy. And don't just think, oh man, that person, like maybe you know somebody who's really over the top, they laugh a lot. Man, you go, I want to be like that. Like that's, that's a good quality to have. So one of the ways that, you know, that's helpful, I mean, me and my boys, we watch quite a few of these videos. Uh, but there's just a little video that I want to show you. It's about a minute long, so you guys can just watch the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeding Jaeger popcorn, and she just loves it. Baby can laugh at a dog eating popcorn. Surely enough, we as adults, we can laugh at anything. But I want to just encourage you, one of the things that I think that has blessed me the most having kids is actually watching the small things in life bring so much joy. And I want to just encourage you and I again in this joy. You were brought into the kingdom with joy, and God never said the party stopped. God never said, okay, now that you're 55, or now that you're 85, or now that you're 35 or 25, the party's over. He has never put a limit on this. This joy is for anyone, and you can be the happiest people on this planet. It's available to you. Why? Because it's already on the inside of you.